Tonight on Huckabee, Academy Award-winning actor John Boyd, Huck's hero Amy Wolf, motivational impersonator John Morgan, music by Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey, and now here's Mike Thank you. We have an audience fill tonight. First time in a year and a half we've had all this lower floor of our theater filled up. We're pretty jazzed about it. And I'll tell you something, this audience, they're making us feel really, really good because they're jazzed up about being here. Thank you. Well, there is an old saying. It's attributed to Mark Twain, and it goes like this. When I was 18, I thought my old man was the dumbest guy on earth. But by the time I turned 21, I was surprised at how much he had learned in such a short period of time. <laughs> you know, most of us feel probably the same way at some point. But as we get bumped around by life a bit, we start realizing that some of the things that our fathers told us and taught us were pretty smart. On this Father's Day weekend, I reflect upon my own father, who died 25 years ago. The older I get, the smarter he seems to get in my way of thinking. Now, my dad never finished high school. Neither did my grandfather or my great-grandfather. In fact, no male upstream for me ever finished high school, much less went to college. But I realize that my father, like many in his generation, never let his lack of school get in the way of his education, which was mostly in the school of a challenging life, learning the lessons of hard work, common sense, and personal character. My dad was a fireman and a mechanic, and it took working hard at both of those jobs full time to keep the rent paid on our little rent house and be able to put food on the table. My dad didn't believe in borrowing money because he believed in paying for what we had, which wasn't that much, but no one ever had to come around and take it back or ask more than once. A couple of friends of mine were discussing their families one day. One was rich, one was poor, and the rich kid said, uh, we have an antique chair at our house that goes back to Louis XIV. My friend who was poor said, yeah, we got a couch that goes back to Sears on the 15th. <laughs> Big contrast there. Well, as I look back, I realized that the best thing my dad gave me wasn't a trust fund or a large plot of land or a collection of jewelry or art. What he gave me of real value was that he stuck around the entire time I was growing up. He gave me the greatest gift of being there so I could see what a man is supposed to be. One in four kids live in a home without a father around in America right now. 
And the results will shock you. Children from fatherless homes are 63% more likely to commit suicide, 90% more likely to be runaways, 85% more likely to have behavioral disorders, 71% more likely to drop out of school, 70% more likely to be in juvenile detention, 75% more likely to be involved in substance abuse, 75% more likely to be a rapist, two times more likely to be incarcerated. Our culture and the messages from movies and media may tell us that having a father around is just not that important. But boy, the facts tell a much different story. We need to stop telling the lie that marriage doesn't matter or that dads don't matter. Because being a father is more than being a biological sperm donor. It's playing catch in the backyard. It's showing up for dance recitals and little league games and reading books at bedtime. It's making breakfast, going shopping for clothes and going fishing. It's hugs and saying, I love you first thing in the morning and last thing at night. It's putting band-aids on boo-boos, sitting with your kids in church on Sunday and grilling hamburgers at your home on a kid's birthday. It's dressing up in silly costumes and it's not getting mad when your favorite chair gets red Kool-Aid spilled on it or when a baseball goes right through the window. Truth is, you can't buy your child enough stuff to make up for not being there. Because more than he or she needs a trip to Disney World or a new toy, a kid just needs a dad. One that shows up and stays. And truth is, we will do more to fix America's problems by having more dads than just having more dollars. Now look, Woody Allen is no role model, but he once said something about success that is absolutely true. He said 80% of success is just showing up. Well, none of us can be perfect dads, but the key to being successful at it is showing up. My first guest is one of the most accomplished actors ever to appear on screen. His performances in landmark films such as Coming Home, Midnight Cowboy, Deliverance, and many more have earned him the Best Actor Academy Award, four Golden Globes, and the National Medal of Arts. He's also played a number of historic figures to great acclaim, including Howard Cosell in Ali, Franklin Roosevelt in Pearl Harbor, Justice Warren Berger in Roe vs. Wade, even playing Pope John Paul II. And he's something pretty rare in Hollywood these days. He's an outspoken American patriot and a strong defender of the state of Israel. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to John Voigt. They love you, John. They seem nice. I'm going over there. <laughs> uh, 
but I love you too, so you can still sit up here. It's fine. Oh. What a joy to have you here. It's very, Thank you. Yes, my honor to be with you all the time, Mike. When, well, whenever we're together, I always feel, you know, I'm with one of the special people of our country. You are very kind, but uh, I know of no one who has as much of a stellar place in the world of entertainment as you do. But you're outspoken in your love for this country and what it means to you. Um, a lot of actors aren't so bold. They're so afraid that they're gonna make somebody mad and maybe get canceled. Why are you unafraid to speak of your love for America? Well, I have to say, uh, I've been raised by people who uh, love this country. And, uh, and I, went, I went a little wayward. And I was raised Catholic, and I was a good boy for a little while. And then I got off track with uh, some of the success that I had. And, uh, and then uh, I found out in my own way that God was real. Mm. Came to understand in my life, I'm very blessed to know this connection and, and to have a, a, a daily re reminder of, of that, the presence in my life. And because of that, I've, had, I've been surrounded by very, very good people who have uh, similar feelings. And, uh, and I've been able to have some guidance and do the things that I do. So when people say to me, why, how can you be so brave? And I say, well, listen, I, 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 you know, these, these people out there that are taking shots at me or whatever, you know, or will or refuse me work or whatever it is, they're not people that I, I'm interested in impressing. <laughs> I said, <laughs> refreshing. <laughs> you know, but but th this group, this one, that I'm concerned about. And I know what it is. Like when they say, the fear of the Lord, people say, you have to have fear of the Lord. Or you have to I know what, I'm, I'm afraid, <laughs> I'm telling you. I don't want to offend that one, you know? The truth, the, you know, that, that's, that's me. So that's, that's why I am the way I am. And uh, I'm very fortunate to have, uh, as I say, influences that are mm. very strong. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm doing all the things I'm doing for the same reason you are, as I think of this generation I know the way we've grown up, or you know, our, yeah. our generation has grown up, the blessing we had, the understanding of, of the blessing of being born an American, and I want that for the kids that are coming, and I want that for the kids now. I wanna save these, hmm. these ones. I wanna save them in, in their schools, you know, uh, uh, in their homes. I wanna do everything I can. So that's why, that's why I do what I do. Well, I appreciate it, and I think a lot of Americans are deeply grateful that you use the amazing platform and voice that you have uh, to boldly stand for this country, and you also have been very bold. You and I have been to Israel several times yes. together. Yes, indeed. And your support of Israel is, uh, is really unmatched, and, and that's something also that has impressed me, that with so many in the entertainment world won't even do appearances in Israel. Yeah. You've been steadfast in support. Very interesting stuff. Well, you know, I, 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 in the same, along the same lines, 
I read the Bible. Now, I haven't read it as often as you have. <laughs> and, uh, and I perhaps have left a few things out of my reading. But I know what Abram was told by God about, you know, we're going to have this land for you. Set aside your father's land and go to this land that I will give you. And you'll be a blessing to all nations. And uh, I will bless those that bless you. And those that curse you, I will curse. Now, do you believe that? I do. Or is this a, yeah. is this a story? Yes, I right. do. <laughs> and and I, I, so I say, uh, this, is, this is the truth. The borders of Israel were set at that time in these conversations with Abram. And it's not appropriate to give away any portion of that. It's not... It's not even theirs to give away. It's God's gift. So any portion that was given away, like Gaza, this was out of line. And the, the karma that responded to that, mm. you know, serious stuff. And, and uh, uh, as we have been together, you know, uh, in Israel, it's a very small country, very small. They don't yeah. have land. They're surrounded by nations that have nothing but land. And these so-called refugees were not ingested by the surrounding area. They were initially Arabs anyway, most of them. And they could have been, you know, taken care of, but they weren't. And they're there because the forces in that area don't want a Jewish state. And, I, and this is the whole drama that I see. So I know we've got to speak up and do the best we can to protect Israel. And you've been such a strong voice for them. John, when I talk to people about you, I always say, John Voigt, though he's a celebrated, multi-Oscar winning actor, one of the most iconic figures in the entertainment world for the past generation, yet in person, gracious, humble, kind. And I saw that when you and I were gonna go to dinner in DC, and uh, I said, you know, John, I've got to go with my daughter and her family, all the kids, and I don't think you'd want to do that. And you said, oh, I'll, I'll come along. And I said, John, you don't understand. These, <laughs> these are little kids. You said, I'd be glad to. And we went to dinner. You sat and took all three of those little kids. They were probably four, six, and eight at the time, or seven. You put them in your lap. My gosh, you could not have been kinder, and, and you treated them as if they were yours. And, and I, I, it blew me away just how gracious and kind you were. Well, that's wonderful. I, uh, I love children. I love children. And you just saw a little bit of that. So, <laughs> and your kids are very, your grandkids are very special, and they're real characters. Can you One, babysit this weekend? <laughs> <I've>, uh, <laughs> I, would be, I really would be delighted to do that. But uh, you told me, uh, and your love for the children, and what you will do, how far you will go <laughs> to take care of your kids, to give them the pleasure that they seek, is a great story. I want you to tell the Batman story. I'll tell it. I won't show the picture. <laughs> Sarah's youngest son, George, who has just turned six a week, two weeks ago, uh, is a big Batman fan, so he had Batman pajamas. And a couple of years ago, just before Thanksgiving... He said, Papa, why don't you get some Batman pajamas and we can have a sleepover? And what do you do when a four-year-old asks you to get Batman pajamas? You go get Batman pajamas. And believe it or not, 
They make them for guys my size. So we got the Batman pajamas, we did the sleepover, and no, you will never see those photos. <laughs> oh. You've got so many projects going. You have played the role of so many figures from John Paul II. Um, you've played Howard Cosell. No, but I'm thinking of some <laughs> of the people that you've played. Warren Berger. Yet you do Roosevelt. it so effortlessly. It's like you become that person. How, how do you manage to absorb into a character? You know so something? Uh, you have another guest on the show who people are going to see who are going to do this gentleman, very talented fellow, yeah. is going to show you two presidents, right? Yeah. And I'm going to sit in the back watching to see how he does it. Because, <laughs> you, you know, he will tell you, and, and the process that he goes through is probably the same as what I go through. You, you, you gather information uh, about the, your feelings about the person and what their energies are doing and how they physically express themselves and stuff. And you go through, you do a lot of hard work. Yeah. And, uh, and then sometimes you hit it right, you know? When they asked me to do Howard Cosell uh, for the Ali movie, I, that was a very unusual, I was a very unusual choice. Because look, look yeah. what I look like, you know? <laughs> but what I look like, but what I look like if you see, see me, I'm tall as Howard Cosell was and thin. He had a pot belly, I had made a pot belly. But he walked, he had bad you know, posture, and he walked like this, you know? And I knew that I could get the face because I liked makeup and stuff like that. I, I knew I could get the face and I could imitate his voice. And I started to feel this is the exact right choice. And sure enough, when I saw the film, I said, that's it. <laughs> and uh, I did it. I felt, I felt terrific. Because I walked on the set, nobody knew. Oh, my, part, my business partner was, came down to talk to me about a project. And I was in the parking lot just taking a breather. And I was walking. And he, came, and he, drove, he drove in with someone. And he, he said, pardon me, pardon me. Would, uh, we'd like to talk to John Voight. You know where he might be? And I said to him, <laughs> I, I, and I walked over to him, and I said, what do you want with John Voight? <laughs> and, and he tells that story over and over. And he, for five minutes, didn't know it was me. <laughs> so then I knew I had, I, I had it made. That's an Oscar-winning performance, if there ever was one. Well, I think all this audience shares my view how grateful we are to John Voight for appearing with us tonight. And by the way, if you want to keep up with his latest projects, he is a busy guy still working all the time. And also to uh, learn more about the upcoming biography, Reagan, and to view his must-see commentaries on current events, you can follow him at John Voigt on Twitter. Also, you ought to be following along with Keith Bilbrey because he's going to tell us what else we have on tonight's show. Well, coming up, best-selling author of Dad Tired, that's Jared Lopes. Dan, a Father's Day edition of In Case You Missed It. That's coming up on Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter.
and welcome back. Jared Lopes' life changed when he wrote a blog post admitting that he was a terrible father and husband, but he didn't want to be. Well, the huge response from other men with the same worry inspired his ministry, Dad Tired. Please welcome best-selling Christian author, speaker, and podcaster, Jared Lopes. Jared, good to have you here. Thank you, thank you. I mean, the timing of your being here couldn't be better. Here we are, Father's yeah. Day weekend. When you wrote that blog post and said, you know, I'm just not really good at this, did you think there was going to be much of a reaction other than, hey, yeah, boy, you're right, you're not really good at this? <laughs> well, maybe from my mom or my wife or something, but, you know, but, you know, I wasn't trying to uh, start a movement. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just being a good millennial and processing my feelings on social media, you know, that was, which I highly don't yeah. recommend that you do. <laughs> You know, my wife and I were in a really bad spot. We mm. were in a terrible uh, season of our marriage. I thought we were ending in marriage, which was wow. kind of the streak in our family. And uh, so I just put on Facebook, really, uh, just this blog I wrote that said, I'm, I'm not doing a very good job. And, uh, and, but, I, but I wasn't willing to give up. And, uh, and so I just wrote that, and all these guys from around the world was like, man, I, thank you for saying that. I feel the exact same way. I am not the husband, the man, the father, that I thought I was going to be either, but I'm not willing to give up either. We, we often talk about being dead tired. Yes. You're talking about being dad tired. What does that mean, Jared? Well, I think if a dad is doing it right, he's going to be exhausted in every sense mm. of the word. Um, but one thing I talk about is there's a difference between having your body tired, your, your, your body being tired, and your soul being weary, mm. right? And, and all of our bodies are tired. I don't care if you're, you know, a high schooler, uh, a, a young parent, uh, my 96-year-old grandma's tired. Everybody's tired, right? But there's a difference between your, your body being tired and your soul being weary. And so one thing I say is, man, when you're going to work your 40 hours a week, 50, 60 hours a week, you're going to be exhausted. But your soul shouldn't be weary. And one way that you, you don't have a weary soul is you stop chasing all the other things that you think are going to satisfy your, your soul. And instead, you come home and you do the greatest job that God has called you to do. You be a husband, you be a father, you be a disciple. Mm. And you do those very well. And you'll, even though your body's tired, your soul will not be ready. Jared, when you started getting responses from men from all over the world, yeah. what were some of the things that they said to you that sort of turned the light on and, and you said, man, that's, that's great advice that you ended up then compiling and putting in the book and sharing with other men? Well, you know, I, one of the things that... I, I was fortunate enough to have some mentors uh, really pour into me. And, and I remember I was in my 20s and I was, you know, like a lot of people in their 20s, kind of, what am I going to do with my life? Kind of having this big early life crisis. You know? <laughs> what am I going to do with my life? And I had a mentor just kind of chuckle like that and say, you know, Jared, you'll probably have a million different titles in your life on your business card before you die. But uh, he told me that. Yeah. You're going to die a father. Yeah. You're going to die a husband. And you're going to die a disciple. Go home and crush it at that. Who cares about all the other stuff that you're going to do? Wow. You know, and great so. Great advice. Yeah, it was great advice. Yeah. 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 It's tough. I mean, there's so many pressures, especially if you're trying to lead your children to a godly heritage, mm -hmm. uh, so much against them, so many things telling them that what they believe is stupid, that everybody's a racist, that everyone yeah. is a victim. So how do you overcome some of that stuff to raise good, godly disciples we're not just trying to be good dads. We want to be good dads. Flip yeah. the burgers and play soccer and change the diapers, all that. But you are raising disciples 
who are gonna change the world for generations to come. Mm. That's what we're going after. And so more, uh, but more, more than anything, more than anything, for a dad to do that, he needs to be in love with Jesus. Wow. There are no tactics, right? That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. What a great message. And again, so very happy to have Jared here on Father's Day weekend. This is the book. Dad Tired and Loving It. It's available right now. And if you're looking for support to become the dad that you want to be, and I know that's true of every man, well, it's waiting for you at dadtired.com. That's where you can hear Jared's Dad Tired podcast. Also find links to follow him on social media. Now, if you look to Keith Bilbrey, he might be able to tell you why you ought to stick around for the rest of the show. So listen very carefully to what he's about to tell you. I have a great reason. Next, Father's Day news stories on In Case You Missed It. And later, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection perform on Huckabee. some Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, as we all do. What a great group of musicians we have with our own band. And a special treat tonight, you get to hear them later on in the show. One of our favorite uh, times when we have this show is having them. Yeah, I love to hear them featured. That's I do too. Well, you know what it's time for? Uh-oh. Yep, it is. <laughs> From the things that you can't do in China, to things that you should never do to your dad. There you We've go. got the news that no other show would touch on In Case You Missed It. China may not be all that careful about its virus labs, but at least they're sure serious about preventing the spread of viral videos. Because about a billion Chinese people use a social media platform called WeChat. And it recently published a list of more than 70 common behaviors that have been banned as vulgar or unacceptable. Mm, I want to hear this. Yeah, it sounds like maybe they ought to call it, we are not allowed to chat. That would be more <laughs> accurate. But here are just a few of the things that will get people banned from social media in China. Okay. You'll find this interesting, yeah. Keith. First, of course, discussing politically sensitive topics, that's banned. Broadcasting from bars, nightclubs, or get this, foot massage parlors. Oh, that's a big one. That's yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, what do they do to feet in those places that it's so bad you can't show it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you just get so relaxed here. Oh, I don't know. I guess they were maybe afraid somebody would be defeated. <laughs> oh! I didn't see that. Hey, it's as funny as anything else you get on late night comedy shows, that's for sure. Here's something else you can't do. Deliberately showing tattoos, which I appreciate. I think we ought to do that here. Unless it is a tattoo of Dr. Fauci, because they like him a lot over there. Also, you cannot use bed sheets and quilts as props. And you're not allowed to do, this is one I don't really get, you can't do indecent nose picking. 
Oh, you now you can do nose picking. Yeah. Can you explain the yeah. difference? Not indecent nose picking. Because I guess that genteel nose picking is fine. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you want to see on screen nose pickers that Beijing approves of, just turn on <laughs> CNN. You'll see a lot of it. Yeah. Here's something else you can't do. You can't wear underwear over your head. Oh, no. no. Those people are probably just trying anything to hide their faces from the government. Or I think, Keith, I think that's a way to have a face mask with automatic social distancing guaranteed. <laughs> underwear over your head. And there are also more than 60 other things on the list. So in short, if you dare to say anything on Chinese social media other than praising communism, you will be banned. So it's pretty much like Twitter. <laughs> ah. All right, next, police in Mobile, Alabama were escorting Jeffrey McCants out of the police station when a female TV reporter asked him why he allegedly tried to steal a vehicle from a fire station. In answer to that question, he said that God told him to do it. Well, there you go. I'd tell you what else he said, but you'd need to see it for yourself. Watch. Why did you take the vehicle? Man, if I had a woman like you, I wouldn't even took it. Come on, Jeffrey. But I took it because God told me to. And guess what? God helped me do everything. I steal everything, man. I stole you. I steal your heart, baby. Come on, Jeffrey. Let's get in, buddy. Tell us all though, man. I had to do it because God helped me do everything. Good and bad, man. He helped me to get away from the police. But not just Well, he's promised that after he's released, he's going to steal a police car. He said it right there. <laughs> God told him to. God told him to. And uh, he also announced that he's running for mayor of Mobile. Yeah. In a redemptive moment, he did apologize for using some bad language. So I guess that's nice. All this in the space of the most entertaining one minute of live TV ever. Hey, don't worry. This guy is far too wacky to ever be elected mayor of Mobile. Portland, Oregon? Sure. <laughs> but not Mobile. Absolutely. Finally, when you need good advice, you can always turn to the Huffington Post. Okay, let me remind you, this is the comedy portion of our program. Oh, yes, it is. It is. HuffPo's Weird News column offers a, a roundup of unusual suggested Father's Day gifts that will ensure that your dad never again complains about getting an ugly necktie. For instance, you could give him a stylish Abraham Lincoln hat, complete with attached beard, for his dog. That's good, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect for dads who love history and hate their dogs. That's what this would be good for. <laughs> By the way, four score in seven years is actually 609 in dog years. Just I didn't know that. We calculated that. We had our, that. had our very good mathematicians figure that out. Yeah. Anyway, what dad doesn't love fishing and hot dogs? So get him the fishing pole weenie roaster from Uncommon Goods. <laughs> it's also great if he loves fishing but never catches any fish. Finally, here's the gift you should never, under any circumstances, ever give your dad. It is from tipsyelves.com. It is the romp him, the romper for men. Oh, come on. Or as I call that, the disinheritor. Yes. Well, 
I need to go wash that image out of my eyes, so we're going to end it right there. And if you want to be a great grandfather, <laughs> dress up like Batman with your screen. It's better than that, yeah. right? <laughs> Batman better than that man, that is for sure. I saw the picture, folks. It happened. <laughs> but remember, we read the news. Coming up, Huck's hero, Amy Wolf, and comedic impersonator, John Morgan. More Huckabee is on the way. waiting to take a trip that is both exhilarating and spiritually edifying? Probably so. Well, come with me October the 24th through November the 2nd. We're going to be walking in the steps of the Apostle Paul while we tour on a luxurious cruise ship in the beautiful Mediterranean. For all the information on the experience of a lifetime, go to thegreatesttrip.com. Now, in this era of pandemics and economic upheaval, too many people become depressed, despondent. Many feel like just giving up on life. My next guest found a very unique way to remind hurting people that their lives really do matter. And for that, she's this week's Huck's Hero. In May 2017, a friend of ours told us the suicide rates in our community, and we were just baffled. It's the helplessness, I don't know how to help, but I wanna be of help. And I thought of this idea I had to make these yard signs with encouraging words on them. My husband, my two young daughters, and myself got in our car on a dreary, rainy Saturday afternoon to stake 20 yard signs around our small town of Newburgh, Oregon. The signs said things like, don't give up, your mistakes don't define you, and you're worthy of love. Well, when we got home from staking these 20 signs around town, I had a neighbor who messaged me and said, I think you're the ones who did this, but you should go on Facebook, people are talking about them. And not only that, they want signs in their yards. And that is how the movement started. Please welcome the founder of the Don't Give Up Movement, Amy Wolf. <laughs> Amy, I am blown away by this just very sort of authentic and kind of organic story yeah. of somebody who said, I want to help some people be encouraged. You had no idea this was no. going to go across the world. No, I bought these signs yeah. and I was loading them in my trunk and I had this moment of, this is the dumbest idea I have ever had. <laughs> this will help no one. Who am I to do anything? I have never struggled with mental illness. I, I have no seat at the table on this issue, but it was a string of suicides in our community and I felt compelled to do something. And I had already spent $140 on yard signs. I'm not Gotta letting do it them now. sit in my garage. So put them out and wild the response from people immediately. 
There is a story that's in the book that you've written called Signs of Hope, and it's one that just jumped off the page. One of the first people who saw the signs was on his way to commit suicide. Yeah, it was a man in Salem, Oregon, went to go pick up pizza for his family for dinner and had been struggling with severe depression for years on his way home, decided tonight was the night, took a different route home out of the blue, and on that road, something stopped him in his tracks, literally pulled over his car, and it was a sign, and it said, don't, don't give up. Wow. It's really too simple, and yet I think it's a really powerful reminder for all of us yeah. that it really doesn't take much except we're going to spread hope and hopefully people see it at the right place at the right time. And that's what we do, is we just be generous in love and generous in hope. I mean, Amy, that's three words. I know. Three simple words, black on white poster, and this guy decides that he doesn't want to end his life yeah. after all. A couple years ago, we had a similar story. A young woman was driving through a rural town. She was struggling with infertility. She just lost her job. Her husband was about to be deployed. Her brother died by suicide the year prior and she had found him and she was on the way home thinking, I don't wanna live anymore. Mm. And zip tied to metal stakes in the middle of a field in farmland was a sign that said one day at a time, don't give up. So she Googled us, found us and said, you saved my life. That's just amazing. So how do people even get these signs? How do, how do they yeah. distribute them? We have a website, people buy them and they put them out. It's super simple. We really are in the business of equipping people to spread hope and love, because we need it. We need those reminders, even if they're super simple. What I think is so powerful about this is the simplicity. Yeah. You know, these are not signs that have six colors that are really razzle-dazzle. I think what makes them effective is that the message is stark, it's simple, it's brief, but yeah. it hits the point, and that's what people are responding to. Yeah, we're thirsty and we need some goodness. We need some goodness, and the power of this is that I'm nobody. I am a young mom running a small business in the middle of Oregon, but we can all do something to help other people, and who knows what will happen. Well, we know what's happening. People are living that would have died, and it's all because you just decided you were gonna do something. I think that's the powerful story here, Amy, is that you, you said, I can't change the whole world, but maybe I'll just encourage one person, and you've encouraged millions what an amazing story. And I hope that this book is one that you'll get and you'll join Amy in this crusade of encouragement. The book is simply called Signs of Hope, How Small Acts of Love Can Change Your World. My guess is it'll change your life as much as it will others. It's available now. And if you wanna learn more and to read Amy's essays and find all of her social media links, visit don'tgiveupsigns.com. Keith Bilbrey, I think he's got the easiest job in the whole world. All he's got to do is convince you to stick around for what's next on the show. Keith, you better come through. Oh, I can do it. Next comedian and impersonator John Morgan, plus the Music City Connection. Celebrate America with a special music performance on Huckabee.
Welcome back. Now, here with us now, uh, it's a man I know you're all going to recognize. He truly needs no introduction, so give him a big welcome to our stage. Thank you so much. Greetings. Greetings, America. Wow, is it good to see you. You are the great, great American people who love our country. You're so fantastic. Okay. And it's great to be with Mike. Huh? You are the Huckabeans, I like to call you. And it's so fantastic to be with you. How many of you love America here? I love you, I love you. And are there anybody in the house that loves Donald Trump? Is there anybody? I love it. We're gonna do a lot of great things today. I think it's gonna be so fantastic. How do you guys like what's going on down in Arizona? Yeah. The, yeah? It's so fantastic. Maricopa. Maricopa County. Right? They're counting up the vote to see if it'll float. Maricopa, Maricopa County. Rumors are floating, dead people are voting in Maricopa. We'll see who won, okay? We're gonna know pretty soon, so fantastic. And Mike, I love you. I love everything you've ever done in, in America. You know, you are the great governor from the state of Arkansas. Yes. But I've got, a, I've got something I've got to find out. It's something I've always wondered about ever since I was a little boy. Why is it pronounced Arkansas, but it's spelled Arkansas? It's pronounced Arkansas, but it's spelled Arkansas. There's an S where there should be a W. Where's the W? Where's the W, ladies and gentlemen? Here I am. Well, good to see you. Trey, catch this. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you guys. Wow. So great to be with you. It's so great to have the privilege of hanging out with some like-minded people. You know, our, our president just hung out over in Europe there for a little while with the G7. If they, they added one more country, they... They could have said, G, we got a G8. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. You know, he boogered up some of his words, but I understand that. You know, sometimes I, I'm told that my vernacular is not quite up to speed. And, uh, and I was watching the president, and I was kind of concerned for him and all, and I thought, gee whiz, he's making me look like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> he's absolutely... Absolutely fantastic. But you know, I took a trip over to uh, the Green Zone right after 9-11. We uh, had an opportunity to go over there and encourage the troops, eat a little turkey with the boys, and to prove to America that George Bush does not have arachnophobia. <laughs> That's right. It was scary. It was Thanksgiving, a moonless night. We flew under the cover of complete darkness. 
No running lights, no landing lights. We had to feel our way in. <laughs> I won't say we hit anything when we landed, but Laura and I got new camel hair coats out of the deal. <laughs> and while we were there, I made sure and I got out and went for a jog so when I came home, I could tell Laura I went to Iraq and Iran. <laughs> Well, folks, it's so good to be here with you. I tell you, protect your freedom of speech. Be vocal. Pray for America. Pray for your kids. And to everybody, happy Father's Day. God bless you. I know everybody thinks that they just saw Donald Trump and George W. Bush, but it's actually John Morgan, comedian and great friend. John, great to have you here. You. You've got an album coming out, I believe, called yes. uh, America, My Brother and Me. Tell yes, us about that. Yes, Well, I was a singer-songwriter because before I ever became an impersonator, and I'm continuing to do that. And this new music video, America, My Brother and Me, is about harmony. It's about mm. e pluribus unum. <laughs> yeah, we have so much of that going on in America right now. Well, you can keep up with John at his website, John C. Morgan. That's johncmorgan.com. Or you can also follow him on social media, all on your screen. He's got an inspiring video on his YouTube channel for the title track for the new album that we just talked about, America, My Brother and Me. I hope you'll go and check it out. Keith? Why don't you tell us how we're going to be finishing off this show tonight? Because I know that you know. Oh, it's going to be very special. Next, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with a special music performance right here on Huckabee. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our Father's Day special this weekend. And to all you fathers, happy Father's Day. And I hope that maybe what we've shared tonight is an encouragement and a little bit of hope that no matter who you are, you want to be a good father, you can really do it. It's just a matter of following God and following your heart, and you'll be fine. Happy Father's Day to all who are part of our show tonight. Now, Closing our show tonight, we celebrate America with a special music performance, America, My Country, Tis of Thee. It was written in 1831 by Samuel Francis Smith while he was a seminary student studying to become a Baptist minister. That same year, the song debuted at an Independence Day celebration at Park Street Church in Boston. And the rest, they say, is history. Please welcome Trey Corley and the Music City Connection featuring Vocalist Hope Loftus performing America, My Country, Tis of Thee.